What's up? Welcome to the Confluence VC podcast. This podcast is meant to give you a personal glimpse into the next era of investors and operators. This week we had on Anna Bob, who's the founder and CEO of Tactic, which is a venture portfolio construction, performance forecasting, and scenario planning software for data-driven funds. In this talk, we cover why fund managers should never be creating spreadsheets, the importance of portfolio construction and scenario planning, and what's going on behind the scenes in the venture services market. If you're interested in checking out Tactic for yourself, we've linked a discount code in the description below. That discount code is Confluence30. You can use that at checkout. You can get a 30% discount on either their construction or solo plants. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone, welcome to the Confluence VC podcast. Sending out so much love, light, et cetera, to each of you today. It's a beautiful day in New York. And I also have a beautiful and impactful founder as a guest today. Anubhav, please say what's up. Maybe give a little bit of background on yourself and tell them why Tactic, your software that's making venture a lot more data-driven and helping everyone institutionalize in a convenient way, how it works and why you built it maybe. Thank you, Tyler. Hello, everyone. My name is Anubhav Sivastava. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Tactic. By way of my background, I actually stumbled onto this. I worked on Wall Street for a few years doing investment banking up in New York, actually. did M&A banking for Deutsche Bank. After that, I worked in venture capital in LA. I worked in the entertainment side. So I worked for a Hollywood talent agency called CAA. Um, They actually had a venture capital arm and I worked there for five years doing, again, investment banking and principal investing. All of that to say, I probably spend more time than is healthy for anyone to spend on Excel and financial models and spreadsheets. And, And I built tactic to solve a lot of those problems that I face when dealing with these complicated financial models. What we do very simply is we are a performance forecasting and scenario planning tool for VCs. A lot of emerging managers don't have the time, bandwidth, and sometimes maybe even the spreadsheet skills to be able to build a great portfolio model. And you need a great portfolio model. We're going to talk about all of that. If you're raising a fund, you're going to have to do portfolio construction. After your fund is raised, you're going to have to manage that model. And all of that stuff gets really complicated as your number of investments starts to increase. We struggled with that a lot when I was at the fund. Our tool makes this dead simple. It's a SaaS web app. You log in, you construct a fund strategy, frankly, in a matter of minutes. You can update that with actual investments. And the tool actually lets you game plan, strategize individual rounds, your follow-on reserves, which company should you follow on into, which company might you want to pass on, things like that will help you think through that. And it does all of that heavy math for you. So we launched, we're a startup. We launched about six months ago. We are fundraising right now for our own seed round. If anyone is interested, please do reach out. We are working with 120 funds globally, growing about 30% month over month. We're a small team. And yeah, we're excited to see. We have a much broader vision on where we want to take this. But so far, the early signs look really promising. One thing I do want to say is that the emerging manager community has been incredible. They've been looking 
desperately for a tool like this for the last five to 10 years. And there's no existing portfolio management tool that does all of this work for them. We've been welcomed with open arms on that. Yeah, man, I want to I wanna congratulate you. You've done a really good job at getting the right people to align with you. Like from, what is it, the Kaufman folks yeah. to some of the best emerging funds who are hitting their third and se second and third strides to now us and happy to connect you to some of the other VC community aggregators as well. Yeah, you put yourself in a position to be something of value to the space. Hopefully it can to in, in very short notice to hopefully the Cardas and affinities of the world in terms of penetration. And you also have a pretty interesting business. So we'll get into yeah. that. But first, can you tell us your opinions on the market? You have some pretty proprietary insights and you've done a lot of work pulling together data over the last, call it few decades to inform how you all are constructing the math behind the models. Yeah, so a few things we're seeing. First of all, in this market, as valuations come down, as some of the LP capital is, is drying up as well, we're seeing GPs, it's almost imperative that you have to be data-driven in your capital deployment. And you wanna be very sure that you're deploying it in the right place, you're following on into the right companies. So what we're seeing is folks are diving into the math behind this stuff. Uh, last year or two years ago, it was like spray and pray. People were pretty loose with their capital. Almost everyone was overdeployed, and we've seen that in our portfolios and our clients' portfolios. Having said that, the last, I would say, four months, people have really scaled that back. Having said that, there's also pockets of opportunities. So there are some funds in our clientele that actually have increased their deployment because they're seeing some great opportunities in the market where they're able to get into some great deals at attractive terms. And so we're seeing some of the funds actually use this as an opportunity to increase the deployment, specifically around follow-on reserves. So one of the big things we've seen is that there's a divergence in terms of follow-on strategies. People, it's like a barbell curve. For smaller funds, and by smaller, I'd say less than $50 million funds, the follow-on reserves are usually 20% or lower, sometimes as low as 10%. And because they're playing for volume, right? They want as much volume as they can. And with 50 million, it can only get you so far if you're entering the seed and sometimes the series A stage. On the other hand, we've got the 150, $200 million funds and they, these guys usually end up having reserves closer to 40% because at that point in time, they're playing for the longer game as well. So we're seeing those two divergent strategies come into play. The second thing we're also seeing is opportunity funds and SPVs. A lot of funds are starting these secondary funds to follow on into the rounds that, the, that their main fund is investing in. This usually works well if the LP base is pretty similar across the opportunities fund as well as the main fund. So the incentives are aligned, but we are starting to see that take shape as well. So that's exciting. I think there's a lot of interesting things happening. I think it's going to be for the next one year. How I think it's personally, this is my personal opinion, I'm not a GP, but I will say that I think it for the funds that are just shutting down shop and not even investing at all, they're going to miss out on some of the greatest deals out there for the next 18 months. Companies have still got to raise. And I'm, I know I work with a lot of founders who show great traction, but they are, they have no choice but to take a deal right now at a valuation that might be 20 to 30% lower than six months ago. That's a great deal for investors. The company is going to have to raise. They have limited runway. And if I were a GP, I would totally go into some of those companies. So I think it's a wrong thing to actually completely scale back. And I think this is actually probably the time to, to start increasing your capital. That's very interesting. What are your thoughts on people waiting to see how the market reacts? I think we know what that's going to be. Like it's already been borne out in many ways. A lot of the pain right now is felt obviously in the public markets. There's usually a lag between the public and private markets in terms of valuations. 
But it, you know what? If you're talking about it, if you're a seed stage investor, this should not matter too much. If you're a later stage investor, then sure, the comps and all that. And you can say that, okay, my company is valued based on public comps. And so the valuations have a right to come down. At this seed stage, we're still talking about companies that are probably in many cases pre-revenue or very small amount of revenue. So valuation should really not be the biggest driving force there. It should really be about traction, product market fit, founder market fit, all of that. And that stuff has not changed. The market's not going to change that. So yeah, in my opinion, I think if you're an early stage founder, this is a great time to actually increase deployment. Later stage founders, they have a little bit more math to do. Makes sense. Yeah, I, we did a lot of data, or we put a lot of data on how round sizes have built. And at the earlier stages, it looks like the averages have skyrocketed, but the medians have been relatively flat for the yeah. last decade. Yeah, that's exactly what we see as well. Medians have been relatively flat. They go up a little bit, like maybe 5 to 10%. Averages are just all over the place. First of all, there's just a ton, if you look on Crunchbase or Pitchbook, there's a ton of deals which are really small, like a pre-seed deal of 50K or 100K. Like that's not really a comp. In this market, a pre-seed deal is probably close to half a million, if not 750K. That's usually, at least if you're in the fintech, SaaS space, one of, one of the more popular sectors. So yeah, and that tends to have stayed the same for probably about 24 months now. I think that's going to continue on. Love it. So tell us, how does this, how does this convert into a portfolio, portfolio construction strategy, right? Yeah. Like, so what does that look so, like per bucket? If we were going to look at pre-seed slash seed funds and then look at that across, this is quite frankly, the number one priority for me and my team for the next three months. Yeah. So let's talk about portfolio construction. First of all, what is portfolio construction? And so Portfolio construction, for those who may not be aware, it's basically a process where you build out a strategy for your fund. How are you going to make your investments? What are your check sizes going to look like? Where are you going to make your investments? How much? How many seed companies? How many pre-seed? How many series A? What your follow-on results look like? And usually you have to do this as part of the fundraise to obviously share with the LPs what your strategy looks like. Now, why is this important? The wrong answer is that because LPs care about it. The reason this is important is because this will actually help you operate your fund better. If you've got a great construction strategy, you've got a Bible that you can go back to and refer to in terms of how you want to operate it. What was your original plan? How are you tracking to it? Are you off track? What do you need to do to get back on track? Those are all things that become really important when you want to course correct your fund, especially in markets such as these. Now, traditionally, portfolio construction has been done in spreadsheets. And I will say these spreadsheets are complicated. Even if you don't use them. They are gross. To be clear, they're gross. Because yeah. to do it well, you need 30 sheets to get into the level of granularity that you need to be able to accurately predict. Exactly. And like, yeah. yeah and these are probabilistic models. If you're doing it right, these are probabilistic. They should account for uncertainty. Unfortunately, what we see is a lot of folks, especially the first-time GPs, they build what we call our deterministic models. Hey, here's my portfolio of 25 companies. I'm going to invest exactly these. Five of them are going to be great. The rest of them are going to fail. And that's my strategy. That's not a strategy. That's one version of the world that could occur. You haven't stress tested it. And a lot of times people try and back into what they think it should work. Hey, I want a three and a half X TVPI. I want a 30 company portfolio. What would it look like? What does that look like? And that's not true. That's not construction. That's you constructing a portfolio. Construction strategy means you are completely open-minded on a lot of your variables. You come up with what's actually fixed. My commitment size is fixed. My waterfall may be fixed. And maybe the total number of portfolio size, how many companies I want to be able to invest in because my team size is small. Let's say that's 30. That's fixed. 
Everything else is up for grabs. Your check sizes, your follow-on strategy, all of that, your allocations, all of that should be, you should come into it with an open mind. And to build a model around that where you know what your constrained variables are and what your free variables are, that becomes really difficult to do in a spreadsheet. So what our software does is we take you through, think like TurboTax. When you log into TurboTax, we ask you questions about your income, your status, your expenses, your deductions, and we'll tell you what your tax, your tax bill at the end of the year is going to be. That's our inspiration. So when you log into Tactic, we will ask you how big your fund is going to be, how much GP commit are you planning on putting in, what your waterfall is going to look like, and what you expect your check sizes to look like, how many deals you expect to do, things like that. And the tool will actually take you through this wizard where we ask you these questions. And in a few minutes, the wizard takes about five minutes, you will end up with an answer. You will end up with a fully constructed portfolio construction model that you can actually share that with your LPs as part of your marketing and data room as well. You can then run scenarios on it. You can actually go back in and say, hey, what if I increase my reserves? What if I increase my Series A allocation? What's that going to do to my TDPI? And we help you think through all that as well. If you are a new manager, and by the way, not to push my tool too much, but if you're a new manager, even if you don't use our tool, that's okay. But don't recreate the wheel and try and build this in a spreadsheet from scratch. You're going to spend weeks doing that. It's not a great use of your time. Your primary goal as a GP is not to build spreadsheets. It's to get into deals and to raise capital. So outsource all of this work to tools like ours or buy a spreadsheet if you want, but try not to do this. Yourself. I wholeheartedly agree. I, because Tactic was so early on when I first heard about it, and it's been a godsend. I decided to try to build it myself. Then I worked with a friend of Auto Bob and ours, Taylor Davidson, who has a lot of like simple templates. But like, I don't recommend anyone build something without one of the two of them. Yeah. And then I don't recommend anyone like go forward with their fund and try to manage their fund from a quantitative perspective without having this software or something out there. I haven't found anything that's equivalent. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so let so, me, yeah, let me address that's that. That's my honest opinion to everyone out there. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. Let me address something you touched upon. So let's say you've done with construction, your fund is now launched, you're now investing into real deals. So what do you do with the construction strategy? I'll tell you what most GPs do, they throw it away. It's like a spreadsheet that's just sitting around in their folder. And now the entire focus is on, hey, our next deal, deploying capital, all of that. And what we've seen, we work with some of the best performing funds out there to actually do a survey on exactly what their processes and workflows look like. And it turns out they do something very interesting. They actually have a model that's always comparing versus the original construction strategy. So they always know if they're off on their pacing, if they're off on their check sizes, if they're off on their assumptions on round sizes and valuations, because the market is completely different. And that gives them this power to course correct because now they can go back and say, okay, you know what? We were wrong in our construction. This is how the market actually is. How do we pivot? What do we need to do to perform in this market? To have that level of intelligence, you need that infrastructure of, a, of an always updated model. And if you throw that construction model away to the side, you're never going to have that power. This is a really simple process, but unfortunately, most funds never get around to doing it. And the reason for that is, again, the spreadsheet ecosystem, you need an army of analysts to be able to manage all this stuff. So one of the big things we do with Tactic is after you've built your construction model, that's just the first, that's like a very small piece of what we do. After construction, you can actually start adding individual deals, actual investments you've made, and the tool will help you game plan and strategize on each of those deals. 
So it'll help you think through what should your optimal follow-on reserve be on that deal. It'll help you think through uh, what is an appropriate exit value. You want to get to a 5X in this deal, what do you got to believe in terms of the revenue to get there? And it'll actually help you model out different probability cases. Here's my base case. Here's my downside case. Here's my upside case. And it'll actually then tell you, okay, based on all your cases, we think you need a $2 million follow-on reserve for your next investment. That level of thinking is, again, somewhat difficult to do in a spreadsheet. It's possible. But then we tie it all back together with the construction. We'll sort of show you charts on how you're doing on pacing, how you're doing on round sizes. So if you want to tweak your strategy for the next, next round of investments, you can very quickly go and do that. And so that's the feedback loop that we're building, that you start off with construction, you go into portfolio management, and you course correct, and you come back to construction and see what you want to do. And that just keeps that cycle going. And it, it makes GPs, frankly, better managers, in my opinion. You got to walk us through what the optimal fund looks like in regards to their process. So we make our construction, we come into tactic or our own system. And what are the things that we need to be tracking? And then from there, we got to walk down exactly how tactic plans to get through that on the roadmap, which but I've seen, from what I've seen, you've been executing at a very fast pace. Yeah, we are a small team. We push a lot of code really fast. So a fund, what it looks like. When you first log in, we take you to the construction wizard where we ask you your questions about your fund strategy. Okay, you're done with that. Next step, you're going to add an investment that your fund did. So we ask you for a couple of things. We ask you which sector you're investing in, and we ask you how much you invested, what the round size, what the valuations were. Based on that, we will actually calculate for you your ownership, your fair market value, and you'll return the fund that that company looks like. We will then automatically project out future rounds for that company. So we will automatically say, hey, this company is a fintech company. We've got a, you did a seed investment. Here's what your A's, A might look like. Here's how your B might look like. Here's how your C might look like. And these are all probability weighted as well. We're going to say, hey, there's a 60% likelihood you're probably going to make it to a B round. There's a 70% likelihood you might make it to a C round, things like that. And then we actually calculate all of that. So we'll actually say, okay, based on this, your expected return on this deal is going to be a 3.4x or something like that. And then we run that through the entire model. So we do this for every deal. You can define these performance cases for every single deal if you want. What we're seeing today, and I'll just share some stats with you, right? So on average, a seed fund is benchmarking to about a three and a half x TDPI. That's what they want to get to. That's what most of our construction models land at. Almost everyone is doing recycling. So that's, uh, that's another trend that's obviously popped up and I'm glad that it has. I'm happy to talk more about that because this is really confusing for a lot of new managers because there's different types of recycling. You can do management fee recycling, you can do exit recycling, all of that. But we're starting to see a lot more of this pop in because obviously it's great for the LPs as well. On average, portfolio sizes are about 30 to 40 companies. We're talking about half a million pre-seed round, pre-seed check, a million to 1.4 million of seed checks and a spattering, small smattering of series A checks. Follow-on reserves, as I said, if you're a small fund, it's usually about 15%, 15 to 20%. If you're a large fund, it's about 40 to 45%. Waterfall, pretty simple. Everyone is doing a two and 20. We are seeing step down to the management fee, starting sometimes at 2.25, going down to one and a half percent by the end of 10 years. Yeah, I would say that's pretty much the standard of what we're seeing. Nothing atypical there, except a higher propensity to be doing recycling. That's something we're seeing. Got it. Let's get into, let's get into the roadmap and let that take us into what you all have been launching for fund to fund investments. Yeah, thank you, thank you. We've lost a lot in the last, I would say four months. So one of the first things we did is fund funds. One of the, one of the coolest things in tactic is that you can actually model as an LP, not just as a GP. 
So what that means is you can build a fund for what I'm going to call your children, the funds that you are going to be investing in. And you can build your own fund as an LP, your main fund. And then you can actually link the two together. So you can have the parent invest in the children. It's a simple, literally one-click button. You'll say, hey, I want to invest in another fund that I've modeled. I'll go sync with that fund and we'll pull up all of the data. And you have one consolidated parent fund that already includes all of the capital calls as well as the distributions that you're going to get from the children. The cool thing about that is that it's less management. It's a little bit more upfront work because you got to build out these children funds. But once you have it set up, it's all synced up because the next time you have a distribution from a child fund or you have a capital call on a child fund, it's automatically going to flow through to your main parent fund. So it's less management going forward. You can manage individual investments as well. The other thing we see a lot is you can, you can actually collaborate. You can send the children fund you've built to the actual GPs who are managing those funds and they can update them if they want. And you even, you even offload that off your bucket. So you always have up-to-date data coming in into your fund from the GPs that you're invested. So that was a big fund of funds bill we did about three months ago. We just launched a Proforma cap table calculator. So we're working with saves and convertible notes. This has been around for years, but this is still complicated. There's so many edge cases involved and a lot of GPs still struggle with what my donation is going to look like. Founders even struggle with that. So we've actually just released yesterday a cap table calculator where you can load in a current cap table define any current outstanding saves or notes, and we will spit out for you what a performer capital is going to look like. Literally a 30-second process, and you can see what your dilution is going to look like. You can save these different scenarios if you want as well. And, the, and I would say the important thing there, there is we actually account for a lot of the edge cases. So what if a company has multiple saves at different caps and the different discounts? That becomes pretty complicated. We manage that. What if there's an ESOP pool refresh on a pre-money or a post-money basis? Again, we can manage that. In some saves, there's circularities involved. So again, all of these edge cases are captured by us as well. A few other things we've released, document management. So we are trying to build, stepping back, the grand vision for Tactic is to not just be a smarter spreadsheet, but it's to actually be the smartest portfolio management tool for VCs. What does that mean? So today in VC landscape, there's a lot of tools out there that do very small niche little tasks. You've got your deal flow tool, you've got your CRM tool, your fund administrator probably has their own tool, you've got your own spreadsheets, plus you might have another portfolio management tool. We're already talking about six or seven tools out here, and that's a lot of redundant data entry for the GP to be managing their fund. We wanna consolidate as much of this as we can into a single platform. So a GP can not just do portfolio construction, they can also do portfolio management, they can do reporting, they can do fund admin, we'll integrate with your favorite deal flow or CRM product and we'll pull that data in. That's what we wanna build. We wanna build a single platform for all the GPs. So one of the big things we've done and what's heavy on our roadmap is things around portfolio management. So if you wanna track, let's say a company KPI, a revenue for a company or a cash balance for a company, you can do that. You can actually just come in, you can define, hey, I wanna track for company A, the cash balances, and here's what the balances are. That's gonna come slot right in there. And we will actually do some smart calculations for you. We will tell you what the burn rate and the run rate that this company is. I'm so sad that Clay can make it today. My partner, Clay, for Confluence. Everyone from Confluence, take a moment to say, we love you, Clay. I love you, Clay. Because Visible, when we were talking about how like part of the grand vision is to be interoperable or collaborative and integrate with all the other solutions on the market, they make that so easy. Like That's what they figured out, that communication flow. Yes. Yeah. And after this, you two have to have a one-on-one. And yeah, a lot of people have said Quite that, frankly, yeah. runs their partnerships. So like, we can, exactly. uh, we can get that out in a few months. And if we can find a way to pair, that would change the game.
That'd be awesome. We should definitely explore that. We love to work with them, obviously. A lot of our clients have said that. Affinity is another one as well on the CRM side to be able to integrate with them. So that's one big thing on our roadmap. We are also going to be, one of the things we're going to be releasing is ping the portfolio company feature where you can actually just send a form to the portfolio company that they're going to get an email saying, hey, this fund has requested your latest cash balance for their systems. Can you please update that? And that's automatically going to come into your system. So that's going to be coming up in the next couple of weeks, actually. More granular permissioning. We're working with larger funds that have larger team sizes. And so be able to you know, piece together or restrict access to your section of the dashboard based on different users. That's something else that we're coming up with. But I would say our roadmap is heavily based on integrations, number one. And two, all these portfolio management features, building them out more. Yo, there's, if we're going to skip back to the fund to find LP management side of things, or just general like GP valuable data, there's a world where you all become a pre, like a higher granularity frequent competitor. Like, there's a world where you anonymize all the data that you're seeing. You know, that's all, you know where I'm that's, going. That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, also, that's certainly on the roadmap as well. So far, we've been very conservative. We want our clients to obviously be comfortable with their data. We get into NDAs. And right now, we don't use your data in any form other than just to calculate your fund. And that's going to remain the same for the foreseeable future. However, later on this year, we are going to release a double opt-in process, where if you want to see our market benchmarks, you will have to agree for your data to be part of those benchmarks. If you don't agree, then your data is not going to be used. But all we're going to do is we're going to provide anonymized uh, averages and medians for sectors and for geographies and for rounds to help you plan your investments and your assumptions. So that's gonna be coming up later this year. We already have quite a bit of critical mass. Frankly, a lot of the data we have, it's not on Crunchbase or Pitchbook uh, and we've checked. So we know that we are sitting on some great intelligence. Are you, are you pulling data from Prequin and public markets also or no? We're pulling data from NBCA mostly. NBCA, Crunchbase, Pitchbook, whatever is publicly released there. We update that every quarter. Not from Prequin. I'd love to know about that a little bit more because I haven't come across them yet. They're more like PE hedge fund data, but like generally, like we've been, we, because we could, if we wanted to invest across asset classes, in addition to doing our venture bucket, we've been looking at comps across. Okay. And, and also now that everyone's becoming crossover funds, just, I actually want to understand where our new competitors are benchmarking against. It's a weird situation where someone else can underwrite a 2X. Yeah. You need to underwrite a five, right? Yeah. Or like hope to get to a five. Yeah. So yeah, I think that integration would be helpful to you as well. Just so that VCs can maybe like understand where they sit relative to the rest of the world, even from like an allocation perspective, like all this stuff yeah. to me is like how my mind's wrapping around it. Even stuff around structuring. We see a lot of VCs who are still struggling with structuring, like, hey, what should my recycling look like? What is the average GP commit for a fund my size? Just to see how attractive I'm going to look like to LPs. We've got a lot of that data on structuring. How have these funds been structured? So yeah, that's going to be part of the, our benchmarking module as well. So my team is everyone here for the first time. My Outside of me and Clay, my investment team happens to be listening here, which we'll be using to back you all on our future GP scout program too. So look out, hopefully we'll see. But they're saying that there's another world that you can become a communications platform in like in this anonymized data pooling that you're reporting to other GPs, LPs, et cetera, there's two lanes. There's one lane where like funds who are doing very well can opt into sharing their performance with LPs and LPs can reach out directly to them. You already have data room, effectively capabilities that you that we yeah. talked about a little bit earlier. That's one, two for different teams with similar strategies 
who have a certain amount of overlap or completely unrelated in terms of the deals they've done, but have very similar portfolio constructions, there may be a world where you can help them be friends. So maybe you can do that through Signal, a collaboration with them. You can use Confluence's base. So if you use our connectivity layers, you can, mm, Carter wouldn't let you do it. But there's a lot of ways that you can figure that out. Now, nah, man, honestly, the tough part here is to figure out what not to do. Because there's so much low-hanging fruit on things we could do here that it's just priority on roadmap on what we want to do. Right now, we want to make sure that we do the basic stuff right around portfolio construction, management, reporting. But obviously, there's a whole, we, yeah, we've talked about this marketplace idea internally as well. Or frankly, for folks who even market their own deals with other tactic, other investors that are in the tactic network. That's something we've explored as well. All in due time, we definitely want to lean into that too. Yeah, whenever you do it, Confluence wants to be your first partner. Totally have right. you thought about secondary management and syndicate management on this platform? So double click on that for me. Which, which part of that are you asking? So not on the marketplace, but let's say that I invest in secondary. So right now I can do funds, I can do vanilla deals, whether it be a standard contract or a note. What about secondaries? Is there yeah. a way I can manage a pool of secondaries? What about syndicates? Is there a way that I can see pass-throughs through syndicates or do I set those up as individual funds? Even in this broader range of types of investments within the VC spectrum, what about GP staking businesses? Right? Are you going to build those functionalities as well so that people can really see their entire portfolios? So we've got a lot of that. So you can model secondaries today. You can have a direct investment that you did as a secondary. You bought shares from another fund. So you could certainly do that today on the platform out of the box. You could do things like a partial exit. You only sold half the company three years down the line. You're hanging on to the other half. You can do that as well. You can do things like dividends, interest rates, all of that stuff. You can do all that too. Syndicates and SPVs in the tactic construct, you have to basically build a separate SPV or a separate fund for that syndicate piece. But what we do is we then let you pool all of your funds together into what we call a multi-fund view. So what that means is across- That was your most recent update, no? Or two updates ago? Two weeks ago, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you can basically pool together all your vehicles into a single dashboard. You can analyze your commitments, your capital calls, your investments across all of that. And we will do some smart calculations here for you. For example, if you're invested in the same company from multiple vehicles, what we call a cross-holding, we will identify those for you. We will show you your combined ownership. We will show you your ownership by vehicle, your fair market values, your everything that you might need on those cross holdings. So it's like a management company view where you can see all of your vehicles and exactly what's going on. And that becomes really helpful when you have five funds and 20 SPVs like you do to see a single view for everything that's happening across your entire spectrum of investments. Got it. So I want to step back because I know we're like starting to dive a bit into your time because you're like building very dope things. I almost cursed, but I'm trying not to on the, the podcast anymore. <laughs> now that our viewership is going into like younger audiences. But okay, how, like completely separate from this, because I think the platform we're like, I'm just like impressed. Thank how you. are you seeing external geographies perform right now? Because that was on a list that I just didn't get to. And then how can our community be most helpful to you? And, and when I say that, I mean myself, Confluence, Clay, even my team and the family office world that we've built together in terms of being able to connect you? Thank you. Great question. So the first one, yeah, we see some very interesting patterns in, in VC, the way VCs operate across the world. So firstly, and by the way, I can go into a full deep dive on culture stuff as well. I've seen the way, for example, an Australian fund operates is very different than the way U.S. funds operate, things like that. But in general, where we see a lot of capital coming from outside the U.S. is mostly around Germany, the U.K., and Australia. That's where we see a lot of funds actually 
manage stuff the correct way. I'm sure there's stuff happening in Asia as well. China, India, we haven't been able to tap into that yet in terms of kind of the formal structures we put into place. But certainly in Australia, I think we've been really impressed. We're actually working with one of the largest VC funds out there called Telstra Ventures. That was like a big fan of them. They're awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah, so they're a client of ours. And you know what? Like uh, the processes that they put in, it's actually even more impressive than most of the U.S. funds we've worked with. They're a lot more analytical. They're a lot more workflow and process driven. They're a lot more modeling driven as opposed to just swaying in the wind because of the market. So that's been really impressive to us and working with a lot of these Australian funds. Same thing goes for Germany as well. Germany, I think, is actually something we're seeing is a lot of small funds are coming out of Germany and they're growing up very fast. So we're seeing a lot of $20 million funds, $50 million funds raise their $100 million fund the year right after that. So we're seeing a big velocity from Germany. In fact, I would say after the U.S., our next big market is probably Germany. That's where you have most of our clients. UK has always been there. UK is pretty similar to the US in terms of how their patterns of investments look like. In terms of structuring, all the international clients, they are way more complicated than the US clients. Everyone in the US almost pretty much has a standard 2020. But when you start to get into the waterfalls for these international clients, it's always something. Yeah, European versus American styles. It's just, and for family offices, it gets even worse. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. There's like a priority, GP, priority LP, anchor LP. So there's, there's just a lot more messiness to deal with there. Thankfully, we can work with a lot of it, but sometimes even we can. So we have to work with them on a custom basis. In terms of how you guys can help, honestly, you're already helping me by talking to me here. We're a startup man. So the biggest help we need is actually just getting a word out that, hey, we exist. We're here to help. And just getting our biggest, our biggest value add uh, or our biggest needle mover is actually word of mouth. We get most of our clients by word of mouth. We've not spent a single dollar on ad spend or anything like that. Everything has been blog posts. The Kaufman Fellows feature us. And so just talk to people about us. If you like us, if you come across us, tell the other people in your network that we exist. We would be happy to give you guys a discount as part of that. So yeah, that's where you guys could be most helpful is just getting the word out there that, hey, we exist. Yeah, let's, uh, me and Clay just set up some type of meeting. Like typically we do sponsor stuff for some type of discount or collaboration. We can figure that out with Confluence separately for like me and my partner, Julie, who's like silently listening in, who's awesome. Julie, can you just quickly say hello, please? Just hi. She may or may not be here, whatever. But like for us, we'll figure something out individually. And maybe you take 10 seconds to talk about your round, if that's even possible. I don't know what's okay and not okay on that. So I let yeah, them no, no, no. say what they want to, because like, I'm always just trying to invest and I'm a shark. So, <laughs> like, so I'll just say it right off the bat, right? So we are, we're cash flow positive, which for a startup is not, is not tremendously common, especially one that's our stage. So we're looking at this. It'll be really, it'll be really nice to have a strategic investor who could really help turbocharge a product and the roadmap for the next two years. Having said that, I'm not desperate to get a deal done, especially not in this market. I would welcome having chats with investors who are in diligence, but, but it, it, we really are trying to make sure that we get the right people on the cap table. I will give a shout out to Mac Venture Capital. They were our pre-seed investor and they've been just brilliant. I couldn't have asked for better investors. They connected us with the Kaufman Fellows and they've really done a great job in terms of helping us over the last 18 months. So shout out to Marlon Nichols, Mike Plank, and the entire team. Having said that, the round itself, we're raising about two to two and a half million. It's a seed round. Probably going to be doing a safe there. We're in conversation around different valuation caps there. So happy to talk to any interested investors on an individual basis. The user proceeds is all to go towards engineering and a little bit of sales. 
So the roadmap is pretty, pretty heavily loaded in terms of what we want to do for the next 12 months. We need some help there on the engineering side. So it's all going to go to what you Now give me like 20 seconds on how big this thing could get. Oh, yeah, great question. So look, there's a myth out there that the VC market is too small. And it's not totally- Probably right. this is a this is VCP, et cetera, after you like actually build it, right? Yeah, yeah. So we want to be the best scenario planning and performance forecasting tool for all private markets, not just VCs. And that means late stage, that means buyout, that means real estate, by the way, too. And that also means an LP facing portal. So like we want to corner that entire market. That's a much bigger pie. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that we are 100% going to be a unicorn or a billion dollar company. No, I can't in my right mind actually say that. There's only been one major unicorn in the VC tech stack, and that's been Carter. They're a seven billion dollar company, and they have a lot more network effects going around. Them. Having said that, the path for us to get to a hundred to two hundred million dollar valuation in the next five years, that's pretty solid. So, if you are a fund that's if you're a Web three investor or a crypto investor that's looking for a fifty x return, that's not me, and I'll be honest there. However, if you're looking for a pretty low risk way to get to a five x or maybe even a ten x return, that is me. Just from a risk rate standpoint, I just want to be completely honest. But that's what we see our realistic goal. I'm not going to try and think too far ahead out of the next five years, but our goal is to get to a hundred million dollar revenue business within that time period, five to seven years. That's how we see ourselves in our trajectory. Beyond that, after that, it depends on how which other markets we tackle. Real estate is a big one. That's a market that is still completely spreadsheet driven. It's the same structure. It's still LP, it's still GP, just the asset class is different. So we can very quickly pivot our fund, pivot our tactic platform to that as well. We already have real estate investors who we're asking for that today. So that's a big market we want to tackle. And to be honest, real estate is probably an equally big market compared to VC. So yeah, that's our plan is we want to start to tackle these multiple other sectors as well as LPs, which we have not yet tackled at all. Uh, 10 seconds. How do you? So there's a lot of people out here that have actually reached out to us already. You've already mentioned some of their names. They've actually actively reached out to us already saying, hey, what you're doing is pretty cool. We'd love to figure out a way to integrate you into our platform or to find a way for us to work together. I'm not going to say who they are, but I think it's pretty obvious. <laughs> like I'm missing um, five people. <laughs> <laughs> and so look, I think in terms of an exit, that's certainly on the cards. I think we provide, we have an engine for forecasting that not a single portfolio management tool out there does. Pretty much any private market portfolio management tool would be a viable exit for us on the small end. On the larger end, we can talk about things like S&P Global, Bloomberg, folks like these that actually have invested in fintech and in platforms that have powered private market investors. And that's in a whole other bucket that we have not even talked about. Got it. Makes sense. All right. Now we go into the exit piece. Usually Clay would take us out. And I'm so sad, but Clay is doing some really cool things that maybe you all will hear about soon, but he's just, you know, you can ask me anything in the entire world and I'll answer it transparently. It can be personal. It can be professional. Like seriously, just ask. And then we'll go into a quick fire round. My question is always, when I talk to a GP, it's the first question is always, forget about tactic. Tell me what's your biggest pain point today. What do you really hate doing as a GP that you're like, I can't believe this has not been solved. And forget about tactic. I don't want you to be biased because of what I'm saying. Yeah, I can think about the problems that have been solved, right? Like I think broadline network management is solved. Like you can build systems to automate reach outs. You can have tagging systems, reminders. That's cool. A lot of the data on like 
how to pick companies exist. You're solving portfolio construction management along with visible cap table management is like pretty soft. Wait, is fundraising easier today or is it, is it more difficult in terms of connecting? There are softwares that have come out to help you fundraise. Yeah. We have those at an SPV for There's a few. I'm not going to name drop them right now, but there are a few and they're okay. Fundraising is difficult because people aren't supposed to be fundraising. <laughs> and because yeah. the softwares in the next three years will be pretty good. I think the due diligence process, like proper due diligence, can always be better. I think that venture is like diligence light. And then there's the whole concept of you need to hit volume. Yeah. So unless you're in a situation similar to ours where you can be both a fund of funds that can leverage due diligence from their funds and their advisory group and quite frankly, me from the Confluence Network, like you're, you're in a cash 22 where you want to hit volume, but you want to be diligent and helpful, right? So I think there is a balance for funds who are not very well platformed or very thoughtful in their processes and execution platforms yeah. to be able to have volume that they need 100 plus at pre-seed C, 20 to 40 at early stage, minimum of 12 to 15 at the later stages. Funds you need like somewhere around eight to make it work, right? Yeah. To hit that full stack or any of those buckets relative to the management fees you have if you're not on fund one, fund two, where you put up the initial capital, it's tough. So some like white label solution instead of these like service-based admin solutions would be really nice. And then something that could help you do proper due diligence, right? Like I think that the sacrifice takes you into the margin, but we're in a world in which margin is the differentiator between top 2% and top decile percent. And then you go out from tranches from there, right? Yeah. Tranches of percentages of performance budgets. So if there are a way for me to accelerate through product, my due diligence, I'd be really happy. Like I've tried myself to make the common app.vc thing where a founder can fill out all the yeah. questions I need. I've automated question lists. Like my associates or I don't even think I'm going to have associates, just whatever they're like my investors or whoever it may be, they're going to follow a pretty like streamlined process where they send these follow-ups and these exact questionnaires. And all you got to do is put that, but that shouldn't be a software. Like at point 72, we built, we built something internally that I can't speak too much on. But you've seen this for a few of the funds you connect with. Yeah. And those things cost us hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out how to do that for either out of my own pocket, which no code is helping, like less than 200K, like less than the cost of an associate on the on average, or have a monthly fee that has like dedicated R&D and engineering dollars that continuously makes that better for like less than call it a grand a month. So if someone can get that part down, I would personally be willing to put up the cost of an analyst on it annually. Yeah, makes sense. Have you come across like Tabs and some of these other companies that do due diligence as a service? I think they do. I could be wrong. I don't want to represent them wrong, the wrong way, but they let you fill out the, they will build out a form for the company. They'll send it to them. And then they actually benchmark it, I believe, against their data set. Use them kind of- Tabs? Tabs? Yeah, that's, I think someone had mentioned that to me. It looked pretty interesting. Yo, send um, that to me ASAP, please. Yeah. I need okay. to, I need, I need to understand if it's good. Like when I heard about you, I was like, is this good? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we talked and I was like, okay, it's good. And yeah. I actually did it. I used it myself. So I like attest that it's good. Yeah, I'll send that to you. I'll send that to you. What, last question for you. What is your tech stack today? Like? Right now, my partner's here on silent, but our tech stack is going to be like, we're launching a full stack fund of funds down a pre-seeds firm, right? 
in partnership with the family that we represent. So our tech stack right now is like the basics. It's everything from like Airtable with Zapier integrations, which no one even knows that the Zapiers are behind on our team, to TacticSoon, to Visible, shout out Clay. I love you, Clay. Who probably Carta will use. We're using our like own internal like legal and back office and stuff like that. We're like privileged to be in that situation. Yeah. And then basic, oh, pitch.com is good for presentations. It's great for notes. Descript is great for content editing. And I honestly, it's not fair to say this because like I personally use like all the Confluence tech stack for like my front. So I'm like going 10 steps beyond where I need to. So I'm now, I can go on with so many more things, but I think a mix of the things that I mentioned before I become annoying and go down like 10 tools that I'm just beta testing. Yeah, like, yeah, right. I got you. Well, yeah. You'd be surprised. <laughs> you'd be surprised. You probably won't be surprised, but the number of people that still, even large funds, man, like $200 million funds that still basically run their portfolio of Google Sheets. It's, or gross, yo. it's amazing. How, it's amazing to me. And like, you're talking about hundreds of investments and it's like a this messy thing that they're going to manage. And obviously that dovetails nicely into why they should use tactic, but it's mind boggling to me sometimes on how VC, which invests in the forefront of almost every technology itself as a tech stack is actually dinosaurs. That's pretty archaic. Yeah, um, I got to show you, that's, that's I got to show you how we're like presenting to our LPs or our LP soon enough. And we're looking at like investment team to investment, potential investment ratio. And how like in that old structure, it might be like per investment team member, you actually can only touch like 13 investments or something. You like max out. I'm thinking that we can get that up 50, maybe a hundred, like while adding real value. If as I build out this tech stack and like tactic is a big piece of that. Like actually it's the fundamental, it is the, the core machine that makes us make money. So yeah. VCs be old. I've worked in now seven different VCs. I started when I was 19. And my partner, Julie, is always like, that doesn't make sense. How are we going to do that? Well, I'm like, yo, trust me, yo, it's going <laughs> to, you're evolving. It's a real-time thing. In two years, we'll see the, we're seeing the volume institutionalization of venture. So numerically, in terms of investment style, we're seeing it. The tech is catching up. And like in two or three years, as you're like in V10 and like visible yes. in and Everyone else in Carter wakes up and affinity gets better. I'm just putting it out there. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be in a pretty good place. Awesome. Yeah, it's exciting times, man. I think the VC ecosystem is going to change quite a bit. We obviously want to be in the center of it, but it's great to talk to folks like you who worked at so many places. You guys know the the ins and outs so well, the pain points so well. So thank you for sharing that. Of course, brother. Yo, quick fire. These have to be answered in three sentences or less. All right, cool. Get out of your hair. What is... The best work purchase you've made in the last 12 months. Oh man. You know what? Zapier, man. It's incredible. Like my entire sales and CRM process has been basically processed by Zapier. Slack notifications, emails, all of that. So Zapier. Boom. A piece of advice that you hear regularly that you think is bad. You got to only build unicorns. How big is it going to get? And is it a VC investable business? No. There are more small, there are more small businesses in the world than there are VC investable businesses. Build a company that you want to build, not just what the VCs want you to build. In the last year, what new piece of habit or belief, et cetera, has improved your life the most? So like lifestyle change. We're waking up at 4.30 a.m. I've got two kids. Yeah. I've got two kids, small kids. And so I don't have any time 
for the rest of my rest of my day. And that's the first two hours in the morning is when I actually get some peace to be able to do some work and whatever else I want to do. That's been the biggest change. Advice you give to someone starting a company? It's a saying I've heard. Every morning a, a lion wakes up knowing it has to run faster than a gazelle to survive. Every morning a gazelle wakes up knowing it has to run faster than a lion to survive. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether you're a lion or a gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better start running. What that means is it doesn't matter if you, are, if you went to Harvard, you went to Wharton, if you went to your state school, you went to community college, it doesn't matter what your pedigree is. Ashton, who's listening in, she went to both Harvard and Wharton. So she's... <laughs> and I went to Wharton as well. So I, I, but I say that with that knowledge that like at the end of the day, if you're a founder, you got to be hustling. You got to do exactly what the unicorn founder is doing and what you, the pre-seed founder is doing. So just keep on doing, just keep on doing. That's it. Love that. And who do you want to see on the podcast? This is for us, by us. Everything that we do is so that you can enjoy it and our community can enjoy it. Tell us who. I'd love for you to have the Mac team. Now, Marlon Nichols, and frankly, I'll connect you with them too. Marlon Nichols, Michael Lang, those guys are changing the game. Not just when it comes to investing in, in divorce and underrepresented founders, but just the way they also operate their fund, the way they help their portfolio companies. It's mind-blowing. I'd love for you guys to watch. Yeah, I was just telling Julia that Mac is one that we need to have on our radar. So, yeah, let's have them on here soon. Yeah. Cool. I'll make that connection. Appreciate you, brother. Huge thanks again to Anabob for coming on this week. We hope that each of you are able to pick up something valuable from this talk. If you're looking to get in touch with Anabob or learn a little bit more about Tactic, we've linked his social profiles in the description below. You can also check out their website at tactic.io. That's T-A-C-T-Y-C. For next steps, if each of you have not submitted your info to become a member yet, you can do that through our website at www.confluence.bc. And also, if you want to become a subscriber to the newsletter, we offer a ton of free resources in there each and every week meant to help you become better at your individual roles. You can subscribe there at www.confluence.substack.com. Hope that helps. Hope to hear from you all soon.